Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Armchair GM Sports Network. You're listening to Straight to the Extra Point, your Niagara source for all news, draft coverage, free agency, weekly game analysis, game day betting picks, and fantasy football updates regarding the National Football League. Here's your hosts, Brandon Caputo and Miklos McMaster. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another installment of Straight to the Extra Point right here in the Armchair GM Sports Network, your August 19th, 2021 edition. Your source of North American sports coverage by sports fans. For sports fans delivered to you right here in the beautiful Niagara region. You can find us on social media for updates and giveaways by following podcast on Twitter at Armchair GM Pod, as well as liking us on Facebook and Instagram. You can listen to us on many platforms, including Spreaker.com. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, I hear Radio, CastBox, and Deezer, and Spotify. Wherever you're getting your podcasts at, we are available in audio form, on demand, wherever you are listening right now. And also, as well, how can we forget about YouTube and video form? So, guys, if you're liking the video form of the podcast, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button, smashing that like, and hitting that bell icon for all updates whenever videos are released on the YouTube channel. Give us some love over there if you're enjoying the video uh, version of our content. And lastly, our beautiful user-friendly website, armchairgmsports.com, for all things regarding the network, including articles, podcasts, episodes, sponsors, and contributors. Everything's on there for you guys. Please go and check that out. As always, I'm one of your hosts of Straight to the Extra Point. My name is Brandon Caputo. You can follow me on Twitter right underneath there at Caputo's underscore AGM and I'm always pleased to be joined on the NFL portion of the network by my good friend and co-host he is practicing medical professional and former OUA athlete for the Waterloo Warriors he is the one and only Miklos McMaster you can follow him on Twitter at Miklos underscore McMaster Miklos back for part three of our four-part series going through each division preview for the 2021 NFL season I know you're fired up as always Yes, sir, I am. Third week, third different Raiders shirt. Got to rep my boys out here, and uh, I'm fired up to get talking about more NFL football. Yep, hopefully you've got four Raiders shirts so you can finish off next week. But uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys saw the thumbnail of today's video, we are going to be going over the East Division previews, everybody's favorite, NFC and AFC East, especially in this area. we got a lot of Bills fans, so I know they're going to want to be uh, interested in our thoughts on them, as well as America's team. Dallas Cowboys, so you're going to want to listen to that as well. So uh, in the first part of today, we're going to go over the NFC East and then uh, finish off with the AFC East in part two today. Guys, if you missed the West and North Division previews, those are live on the channel right now on demand on audio or video if you missed the last couple of weeks. And then next week, we'll finish off part four with the South Division. So, Miklos, with that being said, let's jump into the NFC East portion. And, of course... Thanks to our lads being in alphabetical order, we got to start off 
where else? America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry's World. Oh, boy, always a lot of tabloids and uh, controversy and updates going on with this team. But they got Dak Prescott back, the horrible injury last year that everybody hated to see. Even if you're not a Cowboys fan, you you respect what Dak Prescott means uh, to football and, and to that team. And it was tough to watch coming off that injury, Miklos. What are we looking at from the Dallas Cowboys? Mike McCarthy back as head coach. They've got Dan Quinn as their defensive coordinator. And me being a Falcons fan, I kind of have some bias with that as far as, you know, some salty feelings on on Dan Quinn and his quality of defensive uh, coordinating. But what are you looking at from the Cowboys, at least from the offensive side of the ball? They look good. They're going to have to score a lot of points, it looks like, because this defense, you know, it, uh, it it is what it is. And doesn't seem like it has too much talent on it uh, as we would expect from former previous Dallas Cowboys rosters. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, how about them Cowboys? Second of all, uh, yeah, I, you know what? I think the defense is going to be better than uh, it was last year. I do think they have some upgrades. I mean, the linebacking core is solid across the board. I, they lose Sean Lee, which, I mean, huge loss for them, even though he was injured a lot. But the return Jalen Smith, Leighton Ant, Van Der Esch coming back healthy, and they add Micah Parsons in the draft, and we know what a talent he's been. You know, some questionable off-the-field issues, but as long as he can stay on the field and ball out. Um, and I noticed they converted former Atlanta Falcon Keanu Neal to linebacker, so we'll see how he performs in that role and if, uh, if he can also stay healthy for them. But I think the biggest question for the Dallas Cowboys all season, and, I mean, it's come up again, is can Dak Prescott stay healthy and on the field? We don't know what's really going on with his elbow. I haven't seen any recent updates. They keep trying to downplay it, that it's nothing serious. And I know it's still the preseason, but if Dak Prescott misses some extended time, this team is going to be in trouble. I mean, like, who are you going to roll out there? Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci, or Cooper Rush? (laughs) This team is not going to break 500 rolling out any of those guys under center. No, definitely not. So they're they're hoping the guy that they finally paid, Dak Prescott, after all those years of uh, when is Dak going to get his respect? When is he going to get paid? Finally happened. Speaking of guys being paid, Miklos, I think this is a big year for Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, we know Tony Pollard is a capable running back. Zeke got all this money. We saw that he took a huge nosedive last year because of Dak, but the whole offense did in general. But for a guy that you paid to be the go-to guy in Zeke, he had a down year, especially by his... Uh, by his uh, uh, words and, and definitely by you know his standards of what he's proven so far in the league. W- this is a big year for Ezekiel Elliott in this offense. You know what they have at wide receiver. I mean, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. I mean, that's this is probably the last year that they're going to have that trio together. Michael Gallup's going to be a free agent after this year. But it looks like a solid offense, Miklos. Again, they ha- still have some solid pieces on the offensive line. They've lost a few to, to retirement. Trent Frederick was, a, was a, the big one there that they had lost to retirement last year. But what are you thinking of the offense? Like, to me, the Dallas Cowboys have the capabilities to put up 30 to 32 points a game. My question is if they're going to be able to stop anybody. And do you think that we should count on this offense to carry the load, just given the defensive inefficiencies and, you know, just what we're expecting the defense to be under Dan Quinn? Because it's it's just going to be a smash-mouth, fast-paced defense. They're not going to run out a 1,000 different defenses. You know what you're going to get from them. What are we expecting from this offense, and is Ezekiel Elliott going to get back to that level? So I, th- I do think the defense is going to take a step up from what it was last year. Uh, I think last year was just an absolute mess. Um, they're returning a lot of guys who they had last year who did perform well. I'm thinking Trevon Diggs is having a second year, the the rookie corner. 
uh, who had his ups and downs, but had some big plays, had some you know blown coverages, as any rookie would, but he's taken a step up. Uh, the defensive line, they're hoping uh, Neville Gallimore, their rookie from last year, will take another step forward and uh, help De uh, Demarcus Lawrence down there. Uh, as for the offense, the offense is solid. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better trio of wide receivers on any team in the NFL than Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. And if uh, Dak Prescott's out there, I know the O-line has lost some pieces, but it's still an unbelievable O-line. And considering what happened to Dak Prescott last year, it's unbelievable that Ezekiel Elliott, when they needed him the most, had his worst season. And it's, I think the most surprising thing wasn't about his numbers dipping, but the number of turnovers was really alarming and uh, and kind of shocking. Uh, and so they may not ask as much from him, but despite that, I think he needs to have a huge rebound year, not only to help this team, but uh, if he doesn't, then people might start wondering if this is it for him and uh, he's going to be out the door. Yeah, because Tony Pollard is obviously a capable guy. We saw last year that he at times played better than Zeke, and, and he's the backup, and some people are saying that he's, his years are being wasted away being behind Ezekiel Elliott, but... Who knows? Again, I just don't believe in Mike McCarthy's offense with what we've seen in the past with him in Green Bay, that he really values the run game as much as he does the pass game. And given what this offense looks like, it looks like they're going to be a pass team. I know Ezekiel Elliott will catch some balls out of the backfield as well, but that's a big concern for me. And, and just the sheer fact that he has said that you're, they're not going to rush Zeke 30 to 40 times a game. They're going to they're going to manage him. And I think that to me, that, that's a green flag for Tony Pollard being more involved in this offense and maybe not being a committee, but maybe closer to a 70-30 or 60-40 role than maybe we had expected. Yeah, for sure. And uh, also, uh, which I mentioned a couple times last year uh, after Dak got hurt and then uh, we saw that scary hit on Andy Dalton later in the season too, it's, it's what kind of attitude and spirit this team comes out with this year because that was one thing we talked about last year it might have been what affected ezekiel elliott they looked just indifferent in games uh and the fact that that cheap shot on andy dalton uh and no one really reacted to it on their team where really you'd expect a bench clearing bar uh bench clearing brawl for something like that like that's a green light to get after people uh so really hopefully there's a bit of a, a culture change coming into this year as well as staying healthy and I forgot to start off here with the past division winners. Obviously, Washington winning it last year. Philly in 2019, Dallas in 2018. It, it really it really fluctuates here. I mean, every team has won the division in the last 10 years. And say what you want, again, it was horrible 7-9 record that a team won a division with last year. But it was one of the most competitive divisions in football, given the fact that all four teams were brutal at times. And it did look like none of them really wanted to or deserved to be in the playoffs at one point. So... I mean, the NFC East is usually one of the most intriguing divisions just because you have some polarizing teams like Philadelphia, Dallas, the Giants, and, and now Washington trying to build their way back up with the disaster that, that they've had over the last decade or so, you know, with their ownership and with the head coach, revolved door at head coach and general manager. So just in general, Miklos, like, what are we expecting from the NFC East? Like, last year, 7-9 and nine record, I assume that, that we think that the winner of this division is at least going to be over 500 this year. Yeah, I, and I said it last year, and technically true, even though it sounded crazy to say, what probably the most competitive division in football, if not the best, and it usually is the most competitive. As you mentioned, they, there hasn't been a repeat winner in a while, um, and, and 
they're every team in the division has won the division. Uh, so it is probably going to be just as competitive again this year. Uh, we'll see if Washington can repeat as as the division winners, but I expect it to hopefully have some five, more 500 teams or over 500 teams, but I expect it to be just a big of a bloodbath as it was last year to see who's going to win. It'll probably come down to the last week of the season. Yep, so moving on here to the New York Giants and former Dallas head coach Jason Garrett and then going into his second year as offensive coordinator of the Giants, uh, getting into it with the media, saying to call me coach, not Jason, so who knows about that. The team getting into an all-out brawl in practice, just... Joe Judge has got a lot on his hands with this team already, and the, the season hasn't even started yet. But, again, they finished 6-10 and last year, but like you mentioned last week, there are good losing teams, and then there are bad losing teams. I think the Giants took steps in the right direction, obviously not having Saquon Barkley after him going down with a season-ending injury just changed things for that team. But, I mean, to me, the Giants have a better outlook this year as opposed to the last couple of years where we've really been down on them going into the season. But... I think this year is their chance to take a real step here, and I think that they can give Washington a run for their money as far as the division goes. So what are you thinking about the Giants? They made some improvements on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Kenny Galladay being, in the, being the biggest piece, and Saquon Barkley coming back from injury. So what are we expecting from Joe Judge and Jason Garrett's uh, squad here? Well, yeah, starting off first with uh, the front office, as you mentioned, Jason Garrett and that just weird interview. And then the owner, I think it was yesterday or maybe it was today, coming out and saying that, he doesn't like players taunting because, uh, as people have seen probably in the first week of the preseason, they're just flagging basically nothing for taunting penalties now. This is going back to whenever they were fining people for any touchdown celebration. Like, the NFL's been down this road. I don't understand what their point is. It's not a winning battle. It makes the game worse. We want to see guys get emotional and excited. Anyways, that's my quick rant. <laughs> but uh, as for the Giants, I do think they're greatly improved from last year. I think having Saquon Barkley come back healthy is a big thing, but they also added Devontae Booker and Clory Clement uh, in free agency to help add some depth to that running back room. They're hoping the offensive line can take another step forward from last year and protect uh, Daniel Jones, who isn't running for his life. And then the biggest thing, adding Kadarius Tony in the draft and then Kenny Galladay, uh, through free agency to give him some more weapons to throw to. Uh, Kenny Galladay, as you mentioned, probably one of the bigger moves in, in free agency. And now Daniel Jones, hey, let's go. There's no excuses now. you got a legitimate number one wide receiver. you got one of the best young running backs in the league. you got a young, extremely talented wide receiver who can run in with the with the ball after the catch uh, in space. So you got options now. It's time to time to perform. Yeah, and I, again, I, I like this wide receiver core, Miko. I really do. Like, Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, John Ross, and Kadarius Tony. Like, I think that's pretty solid, in my opinion. I mean, you got some guys there that can play in the slot. You got some little quick guys if Danny Dimes needs to throw those little little slant plays in the middle of the field there to, to get out of some pressure because obviously the O-line, we know what it is and it is and isn't for the Giants. But as long as Daniel Jones isn't running for 80 yards and stumbling on his way to the end zone, I think that this team really has a, has a legitimate shot to challenge Washington for this division because I think this offense is improved by just by bringing in Kenny Galladay. Everybody else slots down one spot where they probably should be. I mean, I don't know if Sterling Shepard's a number one receiver. I think Kenny Galladay puts him to a very solid number two. Everybody else moves down on the depth chart. They've got Andrew Thomas now going into his second year, their first-round left tackle last year. So I really am, am liking what I see from the Giants' offense. Again, 
Jason Garrett, we, we don't know what his play calling is going to be like. We've seen it in Dallas, and, you know, hopefully as just the offensive coordinator, he can keep things together. As a head coach, it's, you know, 8-8 eight and eight central. But uh, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, Miklos, what are you looking at from the Giants, and do you think that they've got enough here to uh, keep up with some of the talented offenses in this division? Yeah, I definitely do. I, the, I mean, the secondary is really solid, and they return basically all the starters that they had uh, last year, at least three of the starters, and Bradbury, Logan Ryan, and Jabril Preppers. Uh, then they have the extremely talented Xavier McKinney, who was injured quite a bit last year. Their second-round pick out of Alabama. Uh, <clears throat> and they added some more corners uh, in free, uh, in trades recently. They brought in Josh Jackson from uh, from Green Bay, and then uh, Keon Cross, and they just brought in from Houston. Um, and then the defensive line is super solid. They got Leonard Williams, who has been revitalized since coming over from the Jets and been a force down there that people expected him to be. Uh, Dexter Lawrence has been incredible since they drafted him. And then, you know, pretty solid linebacking core, who I think is where they expect uh, the biggest step to come from this year. Uh, they drafted Aziz Ojolari in the second round, uh, and hope, hopefully he can make an impact early and often. Uh, but pretty solid defense here it i it may not dominate some games for them but it certainly shouldn't be the reason that they lose a game no it it definitely looks a lot better than what we've seen from the giants defense you know in the last two or three years i really think this defense has a legitimate shot to kind of hold up the offense and and be able to you know help them along if they're struggling i think this defense has the capabilities of doing that i think the giants have done a really good job at revamping this defense and another guy that i think is uh on under mentioned here is a Dory Jackson the corner from Tennessee coming over again he was kind of had some ups and downs last year but I think in this defense and with all these skilled players in the secondary I think we could see a revitalized the Dory Jackson he could kind of be a solid number two corner for this team I think that he might bring a lot and, and again they're going to need to have some good secondary play with a lot of good wide receivers in this division and a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be slinging the ball so I think that the Giants are up for the task and I think that their roster shows it here yeah, for sure, and uh, I, I do think they all the areas that they needed to improve, I think they took steps in the right direction, and now it's about player development. Can the guys that they have there take that next step in, uh, in improving? So going from one end of the spectrum, at least for me, to the uh, opposite end of the spectrum, Miklos, with the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's crazy to me that this team won a Super Bowl three years ago because they have just been a complete tire fire since then. I mean, I don't know if I've seen a team fall from grace this badly after a Super Bowl win. I've seen teams flounder from a Super Bowl loss, but a team that actually won the Lombardi Trophy to fall this far down, it was was just a nightmare. You had Doug Peterson last year with being, uh, you know, his relationship with Carson Wentz, and you had the whole throwing the last game of the season, the Sunday night game. You know, it was just a mess. He's gone now. They bring in... They bring in Sirian, Nick Sirianni as their head coach, and again, that press conference didn't start off well either. But again, there's just a lot of question marks with the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz has now been traded off to the to the Indianapolis Colts. Jalen Hurts is in there now, their second-round pick from last year. Zach Hurts is still on the roster as of recording this episode today, but I don't know if he's going to be a guy that they just straight-up cut or they're going to have to try to find somebody to, to take him because it doesn't sound like he wants to be there long-term. They've got Dallas Goddard there as, as a solid option, but... They bring in Devontae Smith. They trade up with all the all three of those teams all picking in the same area. You had the Eagles leapfrogging the uh, the Giants to take uh, 
to take Devontae Smith, making a trade with the their, their rival Dallas Cowboys. So that was really interesting. But what are we thinking from the Eagles? To me, there there's a lot of question marks in this team, and I don't know if they have the answers for it. They were bringing in guys that were practice squad guys playing wide receiver last year. Jalen Rieger really didn't didn't pan out as a first round talent. So what are we looking at from the Eagles, especially on the offensive side of the ball? Like, can we really expect them and Miles Sanders to kind of carry the load for this offense against? They're going to be playing some good defense as well with the Giants and the and Washington football team. Yeah, I uh, I would circle the first game between the Eagles and Giants because based on first throwing the last game of the season to screw the Giants out of a playoff spot, and then two leapfrogging them to go take Devonte Smith was uh, like there there's going to be some bad blood there. And I mean, uh, Joe Judge even said in the interview after that game about the Eagles throwing that, that that would never happen in New York. So it'll be it'll be a heated game for sure. But yeah, you said it. I have never seen a team implode like this after a, a Super Bowl win. And it wasn't even contract issues or anything. It's not like they had, you know, sold out to win the Super Bowl and then lost everybody because they really couldn't pay them or anything. They literally imploded because they just personal stuff with the team it was it was crazy to see and uh i they're right on the cusp of just blowing the whole thing up and starting from scratch it really feels like i feel so bad for jalen hurts he's an incredible person uh but i don't know if he has the talent to step up into this situation that's just a straight up dumpster fire uh they're returning a lot of guys in the offensive line uh, which is the one good thing that they have going for them. A lot of returning starters. So Jalen Hurts will hopefully have some solid protection. Miles Sanders had a down year last year. They bring back Jordan Howard to hopefully make their running back room a little bit more robust. And obviously Boston Scott's still there uh, as a scat pack option. But Devontae Smith, hey, buddy, you better you better show up in a big way uh, kicking off this season because, I mean, Greg Ward was was decent, but he overplayed what you know is expected of him. But then Jalen Rager, as you said, hasn't really uh, panned out as much as we thought. And then the tight end situation. Goddard is a good option, but who knows what's going to happen there. Um, yeah. What about the offense or the defensive side of the ball? Obviously, Fletcher Cox is a beast. But other than that, I mean, they brought in Darius Slay, not this offseason, but last offseason from Detroit to kind of, you know, secure that secondary and... I just don't know how they're going to stop some of these uh, these offenses in this division. I mean, you look at all the other three teams in this division, I think they all have a better offense than Philadelphia, and I think all three of them can take advantage of this defense. And if, if Derek Barnett and Fletcher Cox, or like if this front four isn't, you know, causing duress for these uh, offensive lines and getting to the quarterback, I don't know how these teams are going to be. I don't know how th- this defense is going to be stopping the Dallas Cowboys offense, the Washington football team offense, or the New York Giants offense. Yeah, I uh, and the thing is, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are not getting any younger. They're getting up there in age, and you know, t- they're they're being a- more is being asked for them as they get older. Uh, Derek Barnett hasn't quite had the impact that they expected out of him. He really needs to take a step forward, and then their linebacking crew. I mean, Alex Singleton, shout out to the CFL, has been pretty solid for them. But I mean, the rest of the squad, whew. It's looking real rough. And then the secondary, I think Darius Slay was pretty big disappointment uh, as far as they were concerned, bringing him over as a big free agent. 
and he was not the shutdown guy that he was in Detroit the year prior. So we'll have to see if he can have a bounce back season. I think the one good thing they got going, they added Anthony Harris in free agency, and he was sneaky good for Minnesota last year. Uh, very underrated free safety, very talented. And uh, if he can translate what he did last year over to playing for the Eagles now, at least they'll have a bit more... Uh, solid play in the back end but as overall i i have a lot of questions about this defense and considering the offenses they're going to go against especially playing against the cowboys i mean it's uh it could be a rough year for eagles fans yeah i mean they're going to need some of these young players to really take a, a huge step forward if they're going to be able to compete because to me this defense right now is just that that this is how i feel about it like it's just crickets like i i, I don't, i'm looking at this thing here and i'm just thinking like what what are we doing here? Like, what is Nick Sirianni's play? I'm going to get fi- half fired up here if I keep into trying to figure out what the Eagles are doing here. But, again, if Jalen Hurts can take that next step, again, they're going to have to win games, I think, uh, by their offense alone because I just don't see their defense really stopping anybody uh, at the moment. So I don't really know how to feel about the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'll just leave it at that because they, they could end up with 10 wins. They could end up with four. I just... To me, they're just, they're one of the the more confusing teams in the league as far as what they're doing, um, in, on all in all areas. Because like you mentioned, they're mm-hmm. they're one small step away from being completely blown up and and complete tear down rebuild. Because coming off three years ago of winning the Super Bowl, things couldn't have gone worse for this franchise. And I'm sorry to Eagles fans out there, but that's just the way that uh, it's perceived from the outside here. So. With that said, let's move on to the last team in the NFC East, and it's the Washington football team. They still don't have a logo. I guess they have the W, but they got a good football team these days, Miklos, and the la- one of the laughing stocks of football for a long period of time Benton, is no longer, and I think a lot of that has to do with the calming presence of Ron Rivera and what he's been through the last couple of years. It's been incredible, the fact that he's able to, he's been able to battle through cancer and still take this Washington football team with Dan Snyder being one of the worst owners in the entire league in all the pro sports and somehow making it into a, into a relevant organization that somebody can actually look at and be proud of. I can't think of a coach that's had a quicker turnaround and a better job than Ron Rivera has done in Washington. It's been really incredible. And... I think Washington is going to be the team to beat in this division once again like last year. Again, I think they're going to be improved from a 7-9 and nine season last year. I think every every team in that division hopes that it's not an under-500 team. But, Miklos, I can, rant, I can go on for days, but I like almost every aspect of this Washington football team. But the one area that sticks out to me is that front four is probably the best front four in all of football. And it's only going to get better because these guys are all first-round picks within the last four or three years. And they're all really young with great upside. And this could be, you know, one of the best front four if they can, if they can keep these guys all re-signed. One, something that we might have not seen since, you know, the New York Giants days of, of their great front four or even the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Iron Curtain back in the day. This is a scary good front four, and I think they are the heartbeat of this team, and they are going to cause the, uh, the opposing offensive lines and offenses, especially in this division, a lot of trouble because I think that they are going to be ruthless this year. Yeah, uh, I'm going to just correct what you said there. Not probably they are the best front four in the NFL, without question. I will argue with anyone. Don't at me on this. It's not even close. I, I, There's some San Francisco, people... I think you could make a case, but I still think it's Washington. Yeah, no, I I still think it's Washington far and away because there's some people who, I mean, we know what Chase Young is, and Montez Sweat took a huge leap last year, played unbelievable, which helps having Chase Young on the other side. But there's some people who are argue about Jonathan Allen being probably the most 
dominant on the offensive line there. And Deron Payne is ridiculous too. I mean, all four of these guys are an absolute problem in a game and you cannot match them up single one-on-one -on -one blocking and expect good things to happen, which is ridiculous because there's four of them. And that's just starting on the front end of the defense. I mean, that alone is ridiculous, but then they add Javen, uh, Jamin Davis in the uh, in the draft, who I think is going to be incredible, especially under the tutelage of Ron Rivera, who we talked about all all weeks of last year. My God, great sentence, Miklos. But every week last year, we were talking about Ron Rivera and the incredible job he had done switching the culture and just improving this franchise as a whole. And having Jamin Davis come in and learn from an unbelievable linebacker and now unbelievable coach, uh, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially because you know he's going to be kept clean by that front four in front of him. And then a huge addition in uh, free agency, bringing in William Jackson, I think was pretty crazy that they got him uh, away from Cincinnati and brought him in there to go across with a always solid Kendall Fuller. Uh, and then what they really need is Landon Collins to uh, to step up his game and be the Landon Collins that they saw playing in uh, East Rutherford uh, twice a year prior. And he hasn't really been lived up to his billing uh, in uh, Washington, but I mean, he's got no excuse now with everybody in front of him to have a breakout year and uh, be as impactful as he was prior. Yeah, I mean, I think another guy that uh, is overlooked is Matt Ioannidis on that defensive line. He was also injured last year, so he we didn't even get a chance to see him play. And there are people that say he would be a starter on most teams uh, if he wasn't uh, on this Washington front four. And again, they bring in a couple of guys for the draft as well that are slotted in as second and third string guys, but they've got a lot of upside. And Jamin Davis, like you mentioned, he's already slotted in as their starting middle linebacker, which I think is a very important position, especially on a Ron Rivera defense. So uh, I, I think this defense has a chance to be top three in the league this year, especially with some of these offensive lines that they're going to feast on, including, you know, parts of Dallas, Philadelphia completely, they're going to feast on that offensive line. And even the Giants are going to need to really, really step it up this year, because I think this team is going to lead the league in sacks no question about it and they are the heartbeat of this team and there really isn't to me a hole like you mentioned the secondary has got to step it up a little bit against some of these offenses but I think with what they've got on the front seven there's no there's no team in the league that can match it especially the front four right now and with Ron Rivera at the helm it's going to be scary and I'm I'm I would be really uh <laughs> I'd be really scared if I was an offensive lineman going up against this team this year so moving on to the offensive side of the ball Miklos they bring in your boy Fitzmagic being able to sling the ball we know what he can do in the last couple of years with Miami and Tampa Bay it flashes as the backup quarterback coming in for a few games but I mean he's coming into a good offense they've got Antonio Gibson, who was obviously took the league by storm last year as a third round pick. He's been phenomenal. Um, and Terry McLaurin, scary Terry out there as a wide receiver. They bring in Curtis Samuel, who Ron Rivera is familiar with with his time in Carolina. And their offensive line is, you know, hit and miss in certain areas. But for the most part, I really like, you know, what this Washington offense could do. And with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Antonio Gibson, and Terry McLaurin, that's a pretty solid quarterback, wide receiver, and running back one situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think this offense is very solid. Uh, and uh, I mean, Logan Thomas as well, yep. the converted quarterback, yep. has been growing every year as a very impressive tight end. And Terry McLaurin finally has a quarterback who is just going to let loose and rip that ball down the field for him. 
he, Terry McLaurin was asking for those one-on-one balls. Guess what? He's going to be getting those one-on-one balls this year because Ryan Fitzpatrick ain't scared to throw that ball anywhere. Uh, you mentioned Antonio Gibson. They have J.D. McKissick as well, who looked really good last year. And then they bring in Peyton Barber from Tampa Bay to add out uh, some more depth. Uh, and I think overall, this offense is tailor-made for, one, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be able to be in a situation where He's got that defense on the sideline, and they'll be like, hey, Ryan, let it rip, man. Hey, you throw a pick, we'll get that ball back to you in no time. Let's go. Let's get down the field, get those points. There has been teams that have won Super Bowls with defenses like this, with offenses way worse. Uh, (laughs) Let's not forget that Rex Grossman once made it to a Super Bowl, all right? And, yeah, with that Bears defense, and that offense was brutal. And so, based on what they have here, they're not going to need that many classic Fitz magic moments, but if Fitz magic catches fire, look out. This team is going to be ripping through people. Yeah, the defense is going to be, you know, making up for some of the offensive mistakes that Ryan Fitzpatrick he might have some turnovers. We know that that might happen, but they're going to take a lot of the pressure off of this offense. But they're, the offense, I think, still has the capabilities of putting up some some serious points here. And I, I, the only thing that scares me is a little bit of their depth. I, I think their their depth could be tested here. They've got Samuel Cosme, the right tackle from Texas that they took in the second round, already slotted in as their starting right tackle. So for me, I think that's a lot to ask from, from a rookie right tackle uh, coming in and, and you know being asked to, to, to do that role right off the bat. But again, they've got, they brought in Eric Flowers, the former first-round pick from the New York Giants, and Giants fans will cringe at that one. But again, I just think that their depth, I think, will be tested. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to hold up to it, but I'm not going to say that they're not going to be able to. I just think that you know the depth, I think, is on the offensive side of the ball is something that Washington's going to have to prove that it's, it's solid enough. Adam Humphreys is a very solid slot receiver that they brought in from the Tennessee Titans. I think that's a big add, too. So for me, I think, you know, They've got a solid receiving core. They've got good running backs, like you mentioned, good depth there. If if Fitzpatrick goes out, they've got Heineke and Kyle Allen, which again, it's they also they they let go of Alex Smith. So again, if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt, I think it changes the dynamic of this offense a little bit, and I'd be a little bit uh, less optimistic about it. But like you mentioned, there's enough guys playmakers on the offensive side of the ball where Ryan Fitzpatrick really has a chance to succeed here. And like you mentioned, Logan Thomas can't be uh, understated as well. Absolutely, and uh, I will be so mad if I get this quote wrong, but uh, like Warren Sapp said, just get me, I'm pretty sure just 17 is what he said. The offense just needs to get me 17, and we'll win those games. This is a situation where they're going to be like, Ryan, get us 17, we're winning this game. Absolutely. So going into the NFC East betting odds here, the Cowboys actually shockingly lead the way, in my opinion, at plus 137. Washington is second at plus 237. The Giants are at plus 394, and the Eagles are at the rear at plus 497. Good value on the Giants here in third, by the way, at plus 394. Just going to say that if I was, you know, a really big betting man and I wanted to take some flyers, I would take the Giants third place right now because at 394, that's pretty good value. But I'm already penciling in Washington as my winner. I don't know how the Cowboys can be favored to start the season in this division. I know what their offense is capable of, but to me, I just, after the, the after the debacle they had last season, like you mentioned, just, you know, looked like they weren't even into it for most of the season after Dak went out. The, their heart is going to be tested, and I just think that Washington has way more resilience in general as, a, as, as an organization from top to bottom. And for me, I'm picking Washington to win this division. I, I don't know how the Cowboys can, to start the season, be ranked as the top team. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to agree with you here and go with Washington as well. I think they're just way more solid. Uh, There's less question marks. Defense is phenomenal. Defense wins championships, as we know. Um, 
Uh, and with Fitzmagic, I'm a huge fan of Fitzmagic. And right now, especially as of this recording, we're still not 100% sure of Dak Prescott's status. And if he's not going out there, this team is going to be in huge trouble. Uh, so I do think it's surprising everyone's betting on Dak being there and this offense being lights out. But as you've said before, like, there's question marks on the defense about who, how well they're going to play and uh, how they'll be able to stop people. And given how good Washington is and how stable they are across the board, minus some depth concerns at offensive line. But overall, I think they're just the far more complete team in this division. Absolutely. And, I, and honestly, I, I like the Giants a lot to come in second in this division. I, I just, to me, Dallas has too many question marks. What, I, to me, Philly's going to finish last, like locked to finish last in this division this year. Yeah. But I think the Giants are really going to be the team that takes the next step forward to finish second in this division. You know, I think Dallas is going to improve, but I just, with the trajectory that Washington is on right now and the Giants getting better, I think it's just going to be tough for, for Dallas to be able to overcome those two teams because those are two teams that aren't aren't on the way down. They're on the way up, and they're only going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I agree with uh, your assessment of having the Giants in second place. They're definitely on the up and up. They're getting solid players across the board. If those young guys take a step for them and some of the guys who had down, uh, down years last year take that step forward, uh, they're going to be real dangerous. Yeah, so those are our picks for the NFC East portion of things. We're both picking Washington, and we both like the Giants currently with the betting odds at uh, a staggering third place at plus 394. The Cowboys currently leading the way at plus 137, but we'll kind of have to see how that goes. And as for the Eagles, yeah, good luck. Uh, we'll have to see how Nick Sirianni's first year uh, goes as head coach there. But with that said, that's going to wrap it up for part one of our uh, NFC East preview. We're going to come back and we're going to discuss the AFC East preview. Circle those wagons. The Buffalo Bills are coming up. So stay right here. I'll be right back on Straight to the Extra Point and right here on the Armchair GM Sports Network. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports and esports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive's game concept revolves around player props, which are simple over-unders on player stats. There are contests for traditional sports including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, and Cricket, as well as esports titles including CSGO, Dota 2, League of Legends, and more coming soon. Here's how to play. Choose your lineup of over-unders for top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Each prop has a fantasy point total based on how likely it is to hit. The more points the selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points and win a share of the prize pool. Thrive is awarded over $2 million in cash, so come and prop up today. You're listening to the Armchair GM Sports Network, the Niagara region's best local source for North American sports podcasting coverage. By sports fans, for sports fans. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to segment two of today's uh, East Division preview show right here on the Armchair GM Sports Network. Brandon Caputo and Mikla McMaster back with you here. And again, guys, if you're enjoying the video version of the podcast, make sure you're giving us some love over there. Hit that subscribe button, smash that bell icon and like button for all updates on videos that are released on our YouTube channel. We do a... 
We try to do our best with the video version of the podcast. We put a lot of work into it, so hopefully you guys are enjoying the video side of things as uh, it's not easy to uh, do both at once. But we bring it to you here, and we bring it to you the best we can. So, guys, make sure you're uh, giving us some love on whatever platform you're listening or watching to us right now. So with that said, Miklos, let's jump into the AFC East. We talked about the NFC East in Part 1. So the AFC East, and we'll start off obviously with the popular team in this area, and obviously that is circle the wagons for those Buffalo Bills, Miklos. Western New York, Southern Ontario's finest. The Buffalo Bills coming off a great season last year, and quickly I'll pull that up from the AFC East standings from last year. The Bills winning the division finally at 13-3. The Dolphins came in at second and 10-6. and six. The Patriots obviously having a historically bad season, and it wasn't even that bad considering all the, the, the stuff turmoil that they went through with a lot of guys uh, you know, being A, injured, or B, sitting out because of COVID. Their quarterback situation was a mess. Their offense was, was a mess. They still finished 7-9, and nine, which I think a lot of teams would take in a bad year finishing seven and nine and we know what the Jets were under Adam Gase he tank nation there they finished two and 14 but as far as past winners of this division I'm having up on the screen here New England Patriots every year Bills <laughs> again 2009 I think was the last year that the that the Patriots didn't win the division that was the year that Tom Brady was hurt and I believe the the Jets the Jets won that year so correct me if I'm wrong there, Miklos, if, if, if it was the Jets that won in 2009. This list doesn't go back that far, but the Patriots have dominated this division for the past two decades, at least under Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Their first year without Tom Brady, Miklos, they kind of took a step back, and it looked bad because Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. He won the Super Bowl down there. But what are your thoughts in this division in general as far as the Patriots is dominating and the Bills finally taking that next step and taking the crown over the Patriots last year in 2020. Yeah, and uh, I will say not only... Well, it's good that the, the Bills finally took the crown. I think it's just good in football. I mentioned it before when we were talking about the North Division and having the Cleveland Browns coming up and, and being good. Variety and parity in the league is great. Um, but also, the historical dominance by the Patriots was incredible. And as you mentioned, the Patriots had eight players opt out because of covid Never mind all their injuries. That is the most of any team in the NFL. And I think it's a testament to how unbelievable a coach Bill Belichick is that they scraped together seven wins with that roster and that many starters missing. And Tom Brady, of course, it looks bad. Tom Brady stepped into a ready-made team that was only missing a quarterback. The offense in Tampa Bay was is still unbelievable. The defense is phenomenal. And you add in the greatest quarterback of all time, of course they're going to win a Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Like, that roster was ridiculous. The Patriots scraped together seven wins with an absolute disaster of a roster on both sides of the ball, which was incredible. And uh, I think they're going to have the biggest bounce back of any team this year with everyone returning. But we'll get into that once we uh, we talk about the Patriots themselves. Yeah, again, it's going to be... <laughs> it's hard to pick the Patriots because we've, we've wanted them to, you know, somebody to take them down over the last two decades. And it, it's been hard-pressed for anybody in this division to do it. So it's just unfortunate for the rest of these teams. But the Buffalo Bills are interesting, Miklos, because we obviously know what Josh Allen, he took the huge net, 
uh, step into his third year, had a great season. Everybody's high on him as one of the league MVPs going into this season and expecting the Bills to take that next step. But it's a lot different, and that's why the Patriots being on top for so many years was incredible because they were the hunted for so many years. They were the team that everybody was trying to take down. When you're the division winner, you're the team that everybody's coming for. It's a lot different of a mindset when every team is coming for you, and the Bills are in that position for the first time in a very, very long time, multiple decades here, that they are finally the team that is the hunted in the AFC East. And I think it's going to be difficult because I think every one of these teams improved, although, again, not maybe the biggest for the Jets, but I think that every team in this division has improved some, and I think that is going to hurt the Bills in that regard just for the fact that I think this is going to be one of the more competitive divisions in all of football, Miklos, because I think the Dolphins got a lot better. I think the Patriots are going to be a lot better than they showed last year, and the Jets aren't just going to be a cakewalk either. So I think the Bills have a big test coming into this season. Yeah, for sure. I think, as you mentioned, every team definitely got better. Patriots leaps and bounds. Jets, I'm going to say, leaps and bounds in terms of a franchise, but maybe not so much in talent because they're so deficient across the board. But just Robert Sala and bringing in that new mindset, it already feels like a different Jets team, and they're not going to be an easy win. And as you mentioned, being the division leader is completely different from looking to knock the division leader off. You're getting everybody's best game every week, especially because they went to the AFC Championship game. Everyone in the entire conference is looking to knock the Bills off because they're now a measuring stick of what it takes to try and make it to a Super Bowl. And it takes a lot in the NFL to uh, keep that level of excellence. And I think all of us have been spoiled in this generation uh, having the Patriots around where we think it's expected to be that unbelievable every single year. But that's how rare the Patriots are as an organization and to dominate their division and also the conference really as well for the better part of almost two decades. Absolutely. So again, it's incredible what they were able to do. But as far as what the Bills were able to do last year, I think it's a great turnaround by this organization and what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have done for this organization, turning them around despite, you know, ownership that is questionable on both sides of uh, hockey and football but they've been able to kind of make this into a solid franchise that people actually want to come to Buffalo now and be a part of this team they really didn't lose that many guys this year Miklos they were able to bring back a lot of free agents that um, that were up for new contracts uh, I think that a lot of that had to do with Josh Allen was still in his rookie deal he signs that huge new deal so they're probably going to lose some guys after this season but if you're the Bills you're going into the season and thinking you know you have a shot to beat Kansas City again in the AFC Championship game but like we mentioned it's going to be harder within this division but they bring back most of their guys Miklos their offense we know is going to be dynamic with Josh Allen uh, throwing the ball and being able to use his legs I don't know if they're going to ask him to use his legs as much now because they're going to want to preserve what they have with Josh Allen that they give him this ma- massive contract biggest contract they've ever handed out to anybody they've got Zach Moss as the running back that can carry the load they've got Devin Singletary as a change of pace back and then at, at the receiving core you can put this up against anybody, Miklos. You've got Stephon Diggs. He led the league in receptions last year. They bring in Emmanuel Sanders. Gabe Davis is, is expected to take a huge step. And then you still have Cole Beasley in the slot, which, again, if he's going to take his vaccine, that's one or, that's here nor there. But regardless of that, I think it's a very solid offense, once again, for Brian Dable, who comes back as the offensive coordinator, even though he had offers to be a head coach. He wanted to come back to this team and be the offensive coordinator. I think that says a lot, and this Buffalo Bills offense is going to be elite once again. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of the offense, you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders coming in. I think that as a big addition for them to replace that kind of John Brown speedy wide receiver role. 
who he departed in free agency. I think the running backs is the biggest question on the offense. The rest of the offense, we know what they're going to do. The passing's going to be electric. Josh Allen's going to be electric. But we saw down the stretch, the Bills struggled to run the ball. Other than Josh Allen, yeah. Yeah, other than Josh Allen using his legs. But from the running backs, the running backs really struggled. And what they need is one of them to step up. They added Matt Breida in uh, free agency to add some more depth and hopefully challenge Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and push them. But one of these guys has to step up and be the guy that can be the hammer and grind out games because that's what it takes to win deep into the playoffs. I know they made it to the AFC Championship game, but that could have been the difference for them against the Chiefs is if they had a running back, they could really control the clock for them and be able to grind out the game and get them those wins. Yeah, and Mitch Trubisky coming in, Miklos. Magic Mitch coming over from the Bears. Again, that's always going to haunt Bears fans, the fact that Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes were taken after that they had traded up to get Mitch Trubisky as the second overall pick. But he's now in Buffalo, and I think that's a good spot for him as a backup for a really good quarterback to learn from. He doesn't have any pressure on him, and it's only a one-year deal. Maybe if he shows some promise in games where Josh Allen you know, maybe gets sad or misses a game here or there, Trubisky takes over, has a great offense around him, great play calling great situation for him to go in and look decent a team might give him a chance as a starter going into next season so I think that was a smart move by Trubisky to kind of sit back and be the backup quarterback to a guy like Josh Allen to kind of revitalize his value around the league and hopefully make it make him take that next step being around such a good offense yeah and I think uh, his skill set complements this offense as well he's got a lot of similar tools to Josh Allen he uses his legs well he likes throwing that like uh, likes using his big arm to throw those deep balls. Uh, obviously, all of those to a lesser extent than Josh Allen, which is the reason he's a backup. But I think this is a great spot for him to kind of try and revitalize his career and maybe get another opportunity somewhere else. And when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen who is going to run the ball, although I don't know if he's going to have the volume that he had last year uh, running the ball, you're going to have to have a good offensive line. Do you think that the Bills' offensive line that they've brought back this year is going to be good enough to hold up, uh, you know, to give Josh Allen the time that he needs to, to spread the ball around like we expect him to do? I think in the passing game, absolutely. I, I think they were really good at it last year. They bring Mitch Morse over from, uh, from Kansas City. But I think the biggest issue that they had last year uh, was digging guys out in the short yarded situations, which goes along with their struggles running the ball. Uh, I think that's where they need to improve on the offensive line is be able to muscle these D linemen out of there. The game's won in the trenches, and if you can't win those short yardage battles, it's going to cause you a lot more stress and problems than you really need with an offense this talented. And you don't want your quarterback being the the only goal line option that you have for short yardage plays and, and you know having to go into the trenches and get that one yard all the time because that's just going to be wear and tear. We've seen it with Cam Newton over the years of the wear and tear of him doing that. So I just think that they, like you mentioned, they need to find a way to run the ball efficiently other than Josh Allen using his legs. But I do think the addition of Matt Burita, like you mentioned, is going to pay dividends and hopefully step up uh, the play of, of Zach Moss and Devin Singletary because that that's, I think, going to be the, the thing for the Bills if they're going to be successful is if they're gonna, their running game is going to be at least at par. So we'll have to see it. But the rest of this offense looks stellar as always. And moving on to the defensive side of the ball, Miklos, very, very good defense for the Bills, bringing back almost everybody. 
being able to bring back Matt Milano as the leader of that defense at linebacker, I think, was huge. The fact that they got him back, and they've got all pros all over the all over the ball here on defensive side of the ball. So I look at the Bills to have another stellar year on defense with Sean McDermott's uh, you know defensive play calling and, and his defensive system just going to be fantastic. Gregory Russo in that first preseason game was just relentless on the Lions, and I think that uh, he's going to be you know in the rotation for a starting job already as a first round pick because I think he has the talent to do so, but. All around, look look for the Bills to have a great defense once again. Yeah, I think the uh, the three main things I'm expecting or looking for for this defense, one, the return of Star Latulier, who he opted out last year, and that's a big person coming back for them, a big solid presence in the middle, helps the linebackers out, will help Ed Oliver out, their first-round pick from 2019, to be a little bit more dynamic, have a little less uh, pressure and attention on him. Uh, Gregory Russo coming in in the draft, that's the second one. Like you mentioned, preseason game was looking really good. Of course, the preseason would take everything with a grain of salt, but guess what? He's got Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes ahead of him. Hey, if we only bring him in sub packages to just pin his ears back and get after it, all the better. And if he's good enough to start, well, let's go. Give Jerry Hughes a little bit of a rest so he doesn't have so many reps. The third thing I'm looking for is A.J. Epinesa, the second-round pick from last year. If he can step up, and have an impact rushing the passer, which he really didn't do much last year, then this front four, and even the front seven, as you mentioned with Matt Milano coming back, uh, this defense across the board is going to be really great and have another unbelievable year. Yeah, and Tremaine Edmonds is also a very solid linebacker, and I will mention Carlos Boogie Basham, probably one of the best names in football right now, coming in as a second-round pick rookie, but uh, not to be uh, joking around, because this is the defense that's going to be very, very good, and again, the secondary, I think, is going to be solid again, Miklos. You have Tredavious White, is one of the best corners in all of football. You've got Jordan Poyer there. You've got Micah Hyde and Levi Wallace as the opposite cornerback. I really think that this secondary, I mean, they're going to be overlooked by how good this, uh, this front four is, and even the front seven, but I do think the secondary is going to be able to hold up as well. I think they do have some very solid guys on all aspects of the defense. And to me, I think their only deficiency is what their punter, their new punter, Matt Hack, is going to look like coming over from uh, Miami. I think that's really the only question mark I have on this team. And if that's if the only question mark I have for a team is their punter, then I think they look pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, But, you know, as we've mentioned, uh, usually in the context of the Chargers blowing it, uh, special teams is very important. And if uh, if he turns into a liability, you know, that can cost you a game having a horrible field position or, or muffing a couple of punts. Yeah, so they, they moved on from uh, Corey Bohorquez and Brad and Matt Hack. But other than that, the Bills' offense and defense look stout, and there's no reason to think that they won't be uh, the team to beat in the AFC East and, and one of the top contenders in the AFC in general. But... Like we mentioned, they're going to be hunted, so it, it's good that they were able to bring back a lot of guys because I do think because of that Josh Allen contract, this could be the last year we see of a couple of these guys because they're going to be uh, in a pretty difficult cap situation going forward that they won't be able to bring back all the guys like they did last year with Josh Allen still on his rookie contract. So the Bills leading the way, obviously, and then you got the Miami Dolphins. Miklos, your dad's a Miami Dolphins fan. I know you always follow them pretty in-depthly. So, again, Brian Flores has done a phenomenal job what he's done in that organization. We talked about Ron Rivera earlier, but Brian Flores as well has done a 
phenomenal job turning that Miami Dolphins organization around from a dumpster fire, from what is such a proud franchise historically that should be better. And Brian Flores coming over from New England has done a phenomenal job with that. And I do think that they're getting better. They're, they're getting there. They brought in some pieces on the offensive side of the ball. They've got Tua at quarterback. And whether he can sling the ball down the field or not and whether he can stay healthy, that's one thing. But I do like what I see from Miami, and they're going to have to keep up with the Buffalo Bills offense. And, again, they've, they've got Devontae Parker. They bring in Will Fuller, the burner from Houston. Thankfully, he's off of Houston, so he, his talents won't be wasted down there. you got Miles Gaskin. I don't like Malcolm Brown and their depth at running back, but I do like Miles Gaskin as, as a, a thir- three-down running back. He can run the ball, and he can be a passing back out of the backfield. And I do like you know a couple of the additions on offensive line as well. They're going to be going up against the Bills' defense, so they're going to have to be good. But I do like the steps that Miami's taken. I think they're getting there, and they had a 10-6 and six season last year. They finished second in the division. So I think Miami is, is a team that you can't you can't joke around with. I think they're going to be they're going to be a contender for that wild card spot, and I do think that they have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing uh, for the Miami Dolphins is Tua, uh, and he was six and three as a starter last year, but he did have to get rescued a couple times by uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, where they made substitutions out. And uh, credit to Brian Flores. I mentioned it a lot last year. Uh, he was one of the coaches that I talked about a ton about how much of a difference he made. And he's one of the few coaches from the Belichick tree who has been really successful uh, coming in and turning a franchise around and bringing a, a, a dominant culture there. And really, they have the pieces around uh, Tua on the offense. You mentioned on Miles Gaskin, Devontae Parker's finally turning into that first round go-to wide receiver that we thought he was going to be in 2015. Uh, Will Fuller comes in as a burner, and now they take Jalen Waddell out of uh, Alabama and what he can add to this offense. And, of course, Mike Gesicki is uh, one of the top tight ends in the league as well. So, really, this offense is going to go where Tua is going to go, and they really need him to step up with consistency and step up with the playmaking ability that everyone was so used to seeing uh, at Alabama. Yeah, I think wherever this team goes, it's going to be how good Tua Tagovailoa is for this team because they don't have, like you mentioned, they don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick is a backup anymore. They got Jacoby Brissett, who's kind of bounced around now as a backup quarterback. So they don't really have that guy that can come in and, and take the load off of Tua. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's a solid locker room guy, and he's gonna he's gonna mentor Tua in, in a good way. But as far as coming in and being able to to be the Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't think that anybody expects Brissett to be that. So I think Tua, if Miami's gonna have a chance to be in the playoffs this year, he has to take a giant step forward throwing the ball, Miklos, because I just don't know how this team is able to make the playoffs if he's not that guy that can throw the ball down the field past five or ten yards. They can't just be throwing slants the whole game. They can't just be handing the ball off to Miles Gaskin because teams are going to plan for that and they're going to make and force Tua to throw the ball down the field and they're going to challenge him to do that and he's going to have to come up and step up to the plate there and, and be able to produce that. Whether he does that or not will, remains to be seen, but he's got the pieces around him to be able to do that. You've got some great wide receivers that can that can run down the field as well as be those, those quick slant guys that he always loves to throw to. But again, Tua is going to be the X factor of where this team is a playoff team or they fail take a step back and be uh, a team that's outside looking in once again with the Patriots that we're expecting to be better yeah for sure and then uh, just quickly moving over to the defensive side of the ball uh, I do feel like much like uh, I'm pretty sure it was with Dan Marino the the famous no-name defense of uh, of the Miami Dolphins I feel like they're in a similar situation like that not a lot of guys here who are well-known. Uh, obviously, in the back end, they got Jason McCourty and uh, Xavier Howard, 
who has been leading the league the last two years in interceptions. So uh, he's been, and now has his contract situation sorted out. So he's happy there, which is uh, huge. But as for the rest of the defense, not many well-known names, but they get the job done. I mean, the defense has been really good the last couple of years, all things considered, especially considering uh, there's no uh, no player out there that you would immediately jump out and say, yeah, he's the absolute dominant alpha dog on this defense they they have a lot of guys who just play really well together as a cohesive unit that's a testament to uh to flores's coaching yeah i mean they spent a lot of money last offseason bringing in a couple of guys like uh, byron jones they paid a lot of money to and they've got benendrick mckinney from houston it's just justin coleman from detroit eric rowe from new england so they've they've got guys and even jason mccordy as well they've got guys that have names and are established in the league they're going to need that next step of guys, the next crop, the Javon Hollins, the second-round pick that they took this year, to kind of step up and be those guys because they're going to be going up against a really good Buffalo Bills offense. They're going to have to step up to the plate. But I expect the Dolphins to be pretty solid all around. Again, I don't think they're going to have the best defense or the best offense, but I do think that they're going to be serviceable on both sides of the ball to give them a chance in week in and week out. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So let's move on to the New England Patriots, Miklos. And again, we've talked about their dominance throughout the, the last couple of decades here and now getting out of the Tom Brady era. And they take Mac Jones as the first-round pick quarterback, the, the Alabama guy, as uh, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are good buddies down there. Um, again, they bring back Cam Newton, which I thought was a shocker that he came back to New England, but it is what it is. And then they, they go out and spend a ton of money in free agency, more than they've spent in the last eight years combined. Uh, they go out and they get two solid tight ends in Jonu Smith from the Tennessee Titans and Hunter Henry from the L.A. Chargers, and they completely revamp. They get guys back from the COVID list. It looks like Bill Belichick's one year of being as a losing season is over. He looks like he wants to get back to that point. And again, they bring in a couple of decent wide receivers as well. They bring in Nelson Aguilar, for formerly of your Las Vegas Raiders. They bring in Kendrick Bourne from San Francisco as a burner. Nikhil Harry really hasn't hasn't uh, really developed like they had hoped he would. But I think that this New England offense has a chance to be better because really it couldn't get a lot worse in the second half of the season because this offense, what they were doing, was just horrible. But if they can get Cam Newton in a situation where you know, he doesn't have to throw the ball down the field all the time. Again, they're, they're kind of turning him into a pocket, trying to turn him into a pocket passer because his legs just aren't what they used to be in his, given his injury history. But what are you thinking from New England? Because I think that they could really have a bounce back here, regardless of Cam Newton or Mac Jones as that quarterback, because I think that the pieces that they put around him this year are a lot better than what they had last year. Yeah. Uh, for the rest of the NFL, I got two words to say about the New England Patriots. Look out. I mean, oh my God! They have all of their guy, almost all of their guys, come back uh, from the COVID exemption list. They spend a hundred and thirty-six million dollars in free agency, just bringing in more players than they ever have previously. And I think with the COVID players coming back and the additions in free agency, this team is fully revamped. And with Bill Belichick at the helm, and of course. Mac Jones, you could not ask for a better fit of a quarterback being drafted into the NFL. And if he's half of what people are expecting him to be under Belichick's tutelage, oh my God, we are going to see New England dominating this division for the next two decades. Yeah, so, I mean, do you think that it's only a matter of time before Mac Jones takes over this season for Cam Newton? Or do you think that Cam has a really short leash in this regard and we might see, you know, halfway through the season or after their bye week, we see Mac Jones come out under center for the New England Patriots? 
Well, obviously, everything in preseason needs to be taken with a grain of salt. But based on what I saw in preseason, Mac Jones looked really good. But of course, Cam Newton is established. I think a lot of what happened last year is not necessarily his fault. He really didn't have much help around him in a very depleted roster. Uh, And of course, his injury history, he's still not at 100%, probably will never be at 100% ever again. Uh, But slowly getting back to himself with all these weapons around him, I think he'll get more leeway than people expect. Bill Belichick's uh, not someone who's going to make some rash decisions, but as we saw with how Tom Brady ended up being the starting quarterback for the Patriots, Bill Belichick also does not care. And if Mac Jones is going to win them games, see you later, Cam Newton. Doesn't matter how he's playing. Uh, Kind of like what he did with Drew Bledsoe. So, Based on what they brought in, I never thought I'd say this. I'm actually livid that the Raiders let Nelson Aguilar go. He was incredible for us last year. Had an unbelievable turnaround. Completely flipped the script from a drop-prone, speedy wide receiver in Philadelphia to be a legit deep touchdown threat. Uh, And now they add him with Jacoby Myers, who was the one bright spot for the Patriots last year. And of course, as you mentioned, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry to come in. And then they have Damian Harris, who was really good for them last year, and Sony Michelle as a solid running back tandem and then they add Trent Brown who was injury prone and garbage for the Raiders but his history with the Patriots and how he's played for them they're the ones who can keep him his weight under control and keep him playing good so this offense I feel like has made a complete 180 degree turn and uh, defenses better look out in the AFC East. Yeah, I definitely don't think they're going to be as predictable last year, but I do think that they're going to need that run game that we've seen the Patriots have all those years to kind of step up, and they've always had a committee in that regard, but with Harris, Sony Michelle, and then James White as a change of pace back where he's kind of the guy that catches the balls out of the backfield and gets more receptions out of the backfield. I just think that you know that running game really has to step up and take that pressure off of Cam Newton to be able to throw the ball down the field like they're trying to get him to do, or if Mac Jones is in there as well, I think having a solid run game is is going to be is going to be you know vital for this Patriots offense to be successful so we'll have to see kind of how they go and, and and if Cam Newton plays out the whole season or if if it really is Mac Jones's time already as a rookie but we'll have to see under Josh McDaniel's offense and Bill Belichick kind of what they go with that so moving on to the defensive side of the ball here Miklos and like we mentioned a lot of guys were out last year with COVID and injuries for New England they were completely depleted on this defensive side of the ball and it showed they weren't the New England Patriots defense that we had no, known over the last couple of decades they got a lot of guys coming back. They spent a lot of money. What are we thinking from the Patriots defense here? They're going to have to prove it against, like we said, Miami and Buffalo have good offenses. So what is what is this New England defense going to need to do to take the pressure off of this offense? I think the two biggest things that happened for this defense was Dante Hightower coming back. He's the heart and soul and quarterback of this defense. And then the addition of Matt Judon in free agency was an unbelievable coup for them to be able to pull him away from Baltimore and add a legit top threat to rush the passer that they have there. It's going to be real scary for teams playing against him because that secondary is coming back and looking real good. Devin McCourty, Stephon Gilmore, and J.C. Jackson, who's been pretty underrated as a corner, but has been unbelievable for them. Uh, and and Stephon Gilmore has been, you know, everything that we've expected from him the last couple of years. Devin McCourty's been the, the general of that secondary. They also had Jalen Mills in free agency, who is kind of a Swiss Army knife for Philadelphia. And I think having someone like him in a Bill Belichick defense Look for him to have a surprisingly good year as he's used all over the place. They bring back Kyle Van Noy and Devon Godshaw from uh, the Miami Dolphins, and they 
are both classic Patriots players, not doing so great outside of the Patriots system, but vital cogs in a Bill Belichick defense. I think this defense also made an 180-degree turn, and teams are going to find that scoring on the Patriots is going to be a nightmare this year. Yeah, it's definitely a lot better than what we saw last year. And what do you think about their special teams, Miklos? Jake Bailey and then Nick Folk as the kicker. I mean, we've always we've always known New England to have great kickers with Adam Vinatieri and Steven Goskowski. Nick Folk's kind of bounced around since his time with the New York Jets, a division rival. Do you think that the, the special team is going to be able to hold up for this group? Uh, I think... That's one area where there might be a question mark, but Bill Belichick has done an incredible job coaching up the special teams, and Nick Folk was actually pretty solid for them last year after bouncing around, as you mentioned. Uh, and then Gunnar Olesky, uh, or Oshevsky was a real surprise last year, returning punts. I think he took two punts rack for uh, for touchdowns uh, last season and uh, led the kick, led the team and the league even in kickoff return average, I believe. Uh, so I think... Special teams might have some question marks if they're going to be solid and consistent, but that's really what they need is just consistency. If they have the consistency that based on the changes they made on the offense and defense, I think they're in real good shape. I, I do too. And speaking of a team that uh, has had a dramatic turnaround here, last team in the division, the New York Jets, Miklos, you, you mentioned Robert Sala coming in as the new head coach for Adam Gase just gives already a better feel of the organization being in better hands and again they move on from Sam Darnold which was unfortunate for him because during his time with New York they really just did not put anything around him to be able to succeed with top to bottom just disaster in or in their organization on the offensive defensive side of the ball they couldn't get much worse Miklos 2 and 14 last season so we're obviously expecting them to get better but what did you like from the Jets as far as you know like you've mentioned on previous podcasts they needed everything under the sun everywhere on the field so they got Zach Wilson as their first-round quarterback. Don't know if he's going to start week one. If he does, we'll, we'll see what happens. But what are we thinking from the Jets, and are they going to be able to take that next step and maybe be a 4-5 to five win team and be an improvement? Honestly, if they go 2-14, and 14, they will be an awesome 2-14. and 14. I'm amazed that they got two wins last year. That blew my mind. Like They were so bad and so depleted across the board, just an absolute disaster. Uh, and I think everything they did this year was an unbelievable improvement. Uh, starting with bringing in Robert Sala, immediately they feel like a different team, as I mentioned before. That just changed the whole culture, the mentality that he brought. It really seems like this team is kind of scraping together the ashes to try and start building a cohesive team here. Uh, I think they made some good moves in free agency and some good moves in the draft. Of course, unfortunately, they just have way too many holes. So I think they are still going to be overmatched in most games that they play, especially against teams in their own division, unfortunately. But I do think everything is headed in the right direction. Zach Wilson, they're hoping, is going to be the franchise quarterback of the future. And they did, unlike with Sam Darnold, add pieces around him. So they brought in Corey Davis in free agency. Uh, they drafted Elijah Moore, who... Is very solid wide receiver. They add Tevin Coleman uh, in free agency, and they draft Michael Carter. Uh, they they have a lot of pieces they're bringing in, and then of course, most important of all, they add Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, one of the top guards in the draft, to add with their freakish left tackle Mikai Becton, and and the rest of their O line, so they can protect this unbelievable asset they've they've added in the first round. 
Yeah, their de- their offensive line has definitely been improved, and they're continuing to build something that, like you mentioned, they didn't do around Sam Darnold, around Zach Wilson to give him at least on the left side of, of the offensive line. They've got two first rounders now, and like you mentioned, Becton and uh, Vera Tucker there that uh, really could be on this team for a long period of time. And again, I think the Jets, like you mentioned, it's going to be tough because they're going against some really good offenses and really good defense as well in this division. I think all three of those teams have a shot at making the playoffs in the AFC uh, with the Dolphins, the Patriots, and Bills. So just unfortunately, I think the Jets, if they were in a different division, we might you know, think that they could finish second or third. But I do think that they are going to take massive strides, like you mentioned, top to bottom as an organization to get better from the disaster that was the Adam Gase era. And as far as the defensive side of the ball, they've, they've got some nice pieces. Again, they don't have the full defense together. Greg Williams is gone after his cover zero blitz against your Raiders that uh, on the last play of the game that cost them that. They bring in Jeff Ulbrich, which he's formerly of San Francisco and Atlanta. So he's uh, he's a capable defensive defensive person. We know what Greg Williams is, and, and you know he uh, you know he's not there anymore, which might be a good thing uh, more times than not. But as far as the defense, Miklos, I think it's going to be tough. But I do think that they will be serviceable and, and at least not just be a complete dumpster fire like we saw last year. Yeah, I think they, they made a lot of improvements uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I think having C.J. Mosley return immediately upgrades their defensive unit. Quinton Williams is really becoming a dominant force over there. And then uh, the addition of LaMarcus Joyner also in free agency to pair up with Marcus May and Ashton Davis is a trio of extremely talented uh, uh, safeties. But uh, yeah, really, I think just the change in coaching alone is going to upgrade this unit. Uh, I'm not mad about it, but Henry Ruggs should absolutely have not have scored that touchdown. That's absolutely like it's ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? I could I could not believe it what I was watching whenever I saw that that play happen. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that they'll be serviceable, but I definitely think they still much like they on the offensive side of the ball have too many holes to really be expected to go very far uh, this season. Yeah, they're they're definitely building, but I think one of the bright spots of this team is is their wide receiver group, Miklos. I do think that no longer having Brashad Perriman as their number one receiver is going to pay dividends alone, but like you mentioned, they bring in Corey Davis, overpay him a little bit to come to the Jets, but that's what they had to do. Jameson Crowder, Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims is a second-round pick, So and Elijah Moore, like you mentioned, he should have been a first-round talent wide receiver. So, I mean... I think that their wide receiver group is good enough around Zach Wilson. That he's going to be able to get the ball out to these playmakers and at least make them look serviceable. Again, we're not sitting here saying they're going to have 10 wins, but if they can improve and maybe you know have four or five wins, I think that's a successful year for Robert Sala in his first year. Just, it, you can't change the culture in one day or one year. So I think that him taking the giant step forward as this thing's falling and the Titanic is, is crashing, if he can kind of somehow get it out of the water and at least, or get it back up into the water and not sinking down to the ground, I think that, you know, as long as he keeps his team above water, they are going to be solid and they're going to be a team that, at least for the Jets fan base, is going to be something that they can at least be proud of that's going in the right direction as far as what we've seen in the last three or four years. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, four or five wins would be a huge win. Uh, uh, for the for the Jets this year, who are definitely on the upswing, but again, that roster has too many holes. But they're they're definitely building the correct foundation moving forward. Absolutely, we'll see in four or five years if this team is a, is a really strong contender and they're on their way to doing so. But with that said, the AFC East betting odds, Miklos, no surprise that the Bills uh, are the consensus. Uh, you know leader right now at minus 150 you got the Dolphins in second at plus 242 the Patriots are right behind them though basically almost a tie at plus 351 so only uh, a nine point difference there and then the Jets obviously at plus 2363 so we know what they're not going to be but 
to me, Miklos, again, another third-place team like the Giants that we mentioned in the NFC East, the Patriots at plus 351, that's a... That's a good bet right there if I'm a betting guy because I think the Patriots are really going to shock a lot of people this year. And I think they're going to, unfortunately for Bill's Mafia and finally getting the hump, getting the, the crown back from them uh, or getting the crown from them, the Patriots are going to be hot in their tail to get that crown back and take that seat because I really think they're going to give them a run for their money this year. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to go and make my pick right away. I'm shooting my shot. I'm thinking I, I'm I'm almost hoping for it because I think it's just it's just fun. And seeing dominance is great why not see dominance i think mac jones gonna step in early and often and uh, pick up the tom brady legacy i think the patriots are taking this division and shocking the bills off their pedestal yeah i mean if i was a betting man i would say that all three of the teams i think they all finish at least with eight wins i think miami you know just because new england's gonna take a giant step forward i think they they might falter a little bit they're on their way but i just from what the Patriots did this offseason and with the amount of guys they're getting back, like you mentioned, it's hard for me not to pick them. I'm going to pick the Bills, but I do think the Patriots are going to bounce back. They are going to make the playoffs, and they're going to give the Bills a run for their money. The Bills aren't going to run away with this division this year, and I think the Patriots could easily have a 10-11 win season this year. Oh, 100%. And if, especially if Mac Jones steps in and is good as I'm kind of hoping he is, then uh, this Patriots team is again going to be the terror of the AFC. And they were horrible last year and still managed to get seven wins. They were almost they were almost at 500 last year, despite how horrendous they were on all sides of the ball last year. And that was a horrible year for them, which would probably be a pretty good year for most teams and would have won them the NFC East last year. But uh, with that said, I, I'm going to pick the Bills, but I, I again, when you're the hunt it's a lot different, so I think that they are hopefully going to be up for the task because the Patriots and Dolphins are coming, especially the Patriots. They're coming for their crown back, but I do expect the Bills and the Patriots to both be playoff teams when uh, all said is done here. Yep. So with that said, Miklos, that's it for the end of the NFC and AFC East. Again, we, we, we both picked Washington in the NFC. We both think the Giants are going to finish second in that division. And then we both uh, picked the Patriots and the Bills, but swap, but uh, one, two, but flip. We both think that the Patriots and Bills are going to make the playoffs this year. But uh, Miklos is going with the Patriots to come back, uh, have that revitalization year. And I'm picking the Bills, but I do think, and we both do think that both these teams are going to be very solid and, and Miami should be pretty good in, as, as well. And the Jets will take a step forward. But again, that's probably going to be, you know, a three, four, win team but with that said Miklos anything else any final thoughts before we wrap up the third of our four part series uh yeah I'm already salivating to hear what you're going to be saying about your Atlanta Falcons next week as we wrap this series up (laughs) yeah or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but with that said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the NFC and AFC East Division preview show for the 2021 NFL football season right here on the Armchair GM Sports Network, your source North American sports coverage by sports fans for sports fans, delivered to you right here in the beautiful Niagara region. Again, if you guys enjoyed, this, oh, to the you guys enjoyed this video on the video side of things, make sure hitting that subscribe button, smashing that bell icon for all updates on the videos that are released on our YouTube channel. A big thank you to all of our great sponsors, help put us on support network, keeping the show on the air, and finally to you viewers out there in football junkies for tuning in and listening along for this episode once again my name is brandon caputo you can follow me on twitter at caputo 13 underscore agm and you can follow my co-host miklos at miklos underscore mcmaster and make sure you're following our podcast at agm pod uh, armchair gm pod on twitter and lastly again this is the armchair gm sports network and straight to the extra point part three of our four-part series finish off next week with the afc and nfc south so stay tuned for that we'll see you guys next week You're You're listening listening to the the Armchair Armchair GM Sports Network.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.